Welcome to Good Morning, the podcast on a mission to open up the conversation around grief and loss with honesty and humour. Hosted by Sally and Imogen, we interview interesting guests to hear how losses shape their lives. Join us as we laugh, cry and drop the odd F-bomb. Welcome back to the Good Morning Podcast. Hey, hey, hey. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to Good Morning. Happy yeah. first birthday. Can you believe it? It's been a year. I know. Unbelievable. Like, so it's just crazy to think that Good Morning has, yeah, it's, it's been one year since we launched. And what a year it's been. We have built such an amazing community of listeners and our Instagram community and we just love you all it's just been such a rewarding and rich and beautiful experience to to build this community hasn't it and to be couldn't able have to- imagined that this would come of such tragedy and we are so so lucky to be doing this and we absolutely love you guys Um, So I guess this is just a one-year episode dedicated to Good Morning and how far we've come and, you know, all of our listeners who have come with us on this journey along the way as well. So we just wanted to share some some exclusive content with you. Yeah, and we just wanted to say, like, thank you all for all of your support um, for this past year. We love the feedback that we get from you guys. We get so many messages every day saying how much the podcast and our Instagram community is helping you guys. And we're just here for it. We just love to hear from you all. So keep it coming. But most importantly, we are so glad that this is providing some some support to you all. Because when like when we launched this a year ago, Im, do you remember we said, if this can help one other person feel less alone in their grief, then we are doing a good job. And oh, that is what, that's what drives us. Like, because we know how lonely it is um, when you're grieving and how often, you know, people just don't really know what to say or as a society, we just don't talk about grief as much because we're not prepared for it. So the fact that we can offer you guys a little bit of support in your day-to-day, that is what drives us. So yeah, we love you guys and we love the support and thank you so much for being here with us on this journey for last year. Yeah. I remember that day we're like, should we start a podcast? Yeah. And it was then like it a light bulb moment, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, we were thinking of things to do. We're like, do we do a supper club or something like that? But it was COVID, COVID <laughs> and impossible. And then, yeah, I was like, oh, maybe we should do a podcast. You were like, oh my God, I was thinking about that as well. And I was like, well, there's our answer. And then it just happened really quickly. Do you remember we used to have those Zooms every night after like I finished work and you put Layla to bed and we'd yes. be like hours like mapping things out and yeah, brainstorming and then that kind was of- so fun. Yeah, pulling it all together. And um, yeah, just, I always think like when things are meant to be, it just kind of, things just, the energy just flows, doesn't it? Really, yeah. like really well and- The purpose of this episode is, I guess, to talk a bit about one year of the Good Morning podcast, but also we get a lot of questions and messages from you guys, like asking questions about us, like, you know, what's your background? What was your upbringing like? So we thought we'd just share a little bit more about us and give you spill the tea on (laughs) stuff that you might not know about us already. So yeah, we're going to be talking a bit about grief as well, but we thought we'd just 
yeah, answer some of the questions that we've received and just, yeah, share a bit of a sneak peek into who we are and our lives and what's shaped Good us. morning. Yeah. We're pretty wild. No, I'm joking. Not anymore. We well, used we, to be. We did, didn't we? Back in the day. <laughs> now we're probably pretty tame, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, very tame. And before we kick off with a little bit about us, what have we got in the pipeline, Im? We have got something very exciting. This is the first time we're dropping this news. We have created something for you guys, which we are so, so, so proud of and so excited to release. We've put together some grief affirmation cards. And yeah. So we've been working with one of our longtime listeners called Tilly. Um, She has been listening to Good Morning since the day we launched and her mum passed away um, just coming up to a year ago. So if you're listening, Tilly, lots of love to you. Um, And we wanted to create a way that we could support you guys on the daily, above and beyond the podcast and our Instagram community. So we've been working with Tilly um, on designing and illustrating some really beautiful grief affirmation cards that can support you guys um, as you learn to live around your grief. So um, as a little extra resource, we're going to be launching them in a couple of months. They're really beautiful and we're really, really excited about them. So keep your eyes peeled. Um, We're going to be sharing more info soon, but we just wanted to just share a little snippet of what's to come. Yeah, they are so, so exciting. And Tilly is the most amazing illustrator too. So we can't wait to share what she's been working so hard on as and, well. And community is so important to us um, that it was really special and important to us to be able to collaborate and work with one of our community members. Um, so we, yeah, we really love the fact that we've been able to work with one of our listeners on them as well to bring them to you all. It's a very special project. So... We thought it was time to let you guys in on a little bit more about who we are and where we've come from. And as we have had some requests to know what we were like growing up as well. So strap yourselves in (laughs) that you didn't see these answers coming. So Im, tell me about your childhood. Like what were you like growing up? Like what was life like for little Im? Well, it's funny because you and I were so similar weren't we? So for listeners, basically Sal and I have been living parallel lives on opposite sides of the world. And at points we're like basically the same people, even though we're so different. It's, I know it's contradiction, but you'll get it. Um, Little Im was, I loved to be on the stage, (laughs) anything, singing, dancing, art, creativity. um, That was my jam. Um, I absolutely loved animals. I was obsessed with animals. I wanted to be a vet. I don't think you know this. No, I don't know this. Yeah. And I like volunteered at a veterinary clinic in Newport when I was like, yeah, when I was like in my early teens and I'd go and like clean out the poo of the cages and things um, and then realized it wasn't for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's little Im. I was the same as you. When I was growing up, I was loved singing, dancing, you know, so did all like ballet, tap, jazz and modern, all of those lessons, all of <laughs> drama lessons. I was in all the choirs. Oh, yeah. Loved English and drama and art at school. I wasn't interested at, in like science or math, nah, none of that, just anything creative, like to be the center of attention, like, you know, always 
always getting the video cam out and doing like you know performances and stuff <laughs> yeah 100 the same so podcasting just seemed like the natural thing for Sal and I to do obviously by the sounds of this <laughs> <laughs> but oh, we also good. had quite similar sort of teenage years didn't we yeah and that's the thing is like yes we have dead mums in common but we also had so many other similarities where we feel like we got each other. And that was so nice. I remember we had a dinner in Manly one night and we just started sort of opening up a bit more about our lives. And there were just so many moments where I was like, she gets this. Like I'm not talking to someone who has no idea what I'm talking about, but yeah. So Sal and I had quite complex, I'd say complicated upbringings for different reasons, like different circumstances, but we both know what it feels like to have to grow up pretty quickly and deal with kind of confusing, difficult circumstances at a young age. Um, I'll go first. So there's a lot about my life and my story that I haven't gone into, which I still can't go into for legal reasons and for other various reasons. It's just not the right time. Um, but so I'll try and like scoot around <laughs> all of those details at first. But, you know, my story is, is very unusual and it's very, very complicated and it's ended up very tragic, which is so unfortunate. But there was also a lot of love and a lot of great things in my life as well. And, and I think how I've been able to get through this is the foundation of everything was always built on love. And so I think that that's been helpful for me in terms of being able to survive certain things. And so basically I had about at one point about seven parents, which people listening are probably like, how is that even possible? Um, So my mum and my dad married, had me and my sister we're two years apart. And then I think when I was maybe two, they divorced. And then my mum remarried my stepdad. Absolutely love my dad and my stepdad. We are very close and all get along really well. Um, And then my mum was married to my stepdad for about 15 years. And then this is where it gets complicated is somebody else is introduced into our story. So basically then my mum ended up with somebody else who I can't talk about at this stage, but one day I will uh, hopefully be able to. Um, but so my mum ended up with a woman. And so I was about 16 at the time. And it was very confusing for me. Um, I just didn't really know quite how to handle it. Like I absolutely loved my mum and I wanted her to be happy and I respected her decision, but it was also very difficult for me because it was another breakup. Mm -hmm. And then my stepdad ended up moving to China for two years. And so I felt what I wouldn't have been able to identify back then, but it was a lot of grief. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I think that I felt like my upbringing was quite unstable in that sense was I would start to feel really secure with a really good family unit and then it would break up again. And then I'd feel like I'm all over the place. And a lot of big change and throughout quite pivotal years for you as well. And then, you know, if your mum hasn't been in a same sex relationship before, that's a, that is a big change as well, trying to understand and navigate that if that's not something that you've experienced or been exposed to I can see why that would have been quite a confusing time for you 
yeah, it was just really, really hard, but we made it work in very unusual, complicated circumstances. Um, so yeah, that's a roundabout way of saying there's so much of my story, which I haven't told one day I will, um, when the time is right, but yeah, I've had a very colorful upbringing. (laughs) How did that impact you in like when you were at school and like, you know, during that time? Wild. (laughs) I was so wild. Like, I think deep down, like I was always good, but I was just, I just didn't give a fuck about anything. And I think I just, yeah, I, I didn't really care much about my life and, I just was sort of a bit off the rails for quite some time and um, took me quite quite a lot of years to get back on those rails and a lot of work on myself to do that. Um, but I think it's sort of made me who I am and I understand a lot of situations and I understand a lot of people on very deep levels and I think when you meet me, I'm the type of person that you can have a really, really deep conversation with and nothing's awkward, nothing's uncomfortable and I, I think that, I don't know if I'd be that person if I hadn't gone through what I have. Mm. And I like that about me. I think these these experiences in life shape us, don't they? And um, no one's journey is necessarily linear. And all of the things that we go through make us who we are. They make us stronger. They shape our character. And it's, you know, that's what I love about you is the fact that you are so understanding and empathetic because you have been through a lot in your life. Mm, and thanks, Sal. Yeah, it's shaped you. And I know you have had um, quite a difficult upbringing in some aspects as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, and I think, so I went off the rails as well in my teen years, and that's one of the things that we have in common and we understand (laughs) each other. So we both left school with like minimal qualifications. So I'm from the UK. I left school with one GCSE. um, And... And I, and I guess the things that led up to sort of me going off the rails, it was a quite a difficult time for my family, but that's just another thing Like you don't really often meet people who had a very similar sort of end of school experience. And Im and I were both, you know, quite rebellious. And I don't think that you would think that if you met me now, I'm like, I'm so like, um, cautious and like quite by the book these days. But honestly, when I was at school, I was wild. Just I like, can't, I cannot even imagine. <laughs> I, and I was, you know, clubbing from the age of 14 and just all of that stuff. And I've, yeah. Such a granny now, aren't you? Such a granny now. <laughs> um, <laughs> granny Sal. Um, yeah. yeah, my like wild nights out are basically like a sleepy tea and being in bed by 10, but yeah. Um, <laughs> So, so yes, yeah, so I have a sibling um, and he has um, severe autism and around the age of when I was about 10 and he would have been about 14. So when he was going through puberty, what can happen with autistic um, boys in particular is, you know, their horm- hormones changing can also bring on some other um, sort of mental health issues so my brother was really poorly he went into a catatonic state and he was in hospital for um quite a while and um my so my parents would drive to the hospital Birmingham Children's Hospital you know every other day it was a really stressful time for my parents um because he was really really poorly um and then when he came home he he had developed like schizophrenia and would lash out and hallucinate and um basically 
he didn't know his own strength and he didn't know what he was doing and sometimes um he would lash out my mum and um it was hard for her to control him when she was at home on his own because he's six foot four and yeah really strong um and it was just a really scary time and a very stressful time for my parents as well my parents didn't really have a choice but um, for him to move into a um, home where he was um, looked after by care professionals um, and that's his setup now as well you know he's very well looked after um, but yeah it was quite a difficult time and I think when I look back in hindsight I don't think at the time I realized that's probably why I went off the rails but I think it probably was quite a big factor it was quite a difficult time I reckon you're probably right and that is the contributing factor to you running off the rails. Definitely. My diagnosis. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so wild, wild rebellious years, a lot of like skipping school and going out clubbing and and then I ended up falling into hairdressing when I was like 15, 16 and I ended up doing an apprenticeship at Tony and Guy which that was probably like 2002 and it was like at the peak of its like credibility back then. And yeah, that sorted me right out. Like I found something I was really good at. I feel really lucky that the salon that I worked at, there was some like amazing people I'm still really good friends with to this day. And I had a really good boss who took me under her wing. Um, And then, yeah, I, I ended up hairdressing for about seven years, which people, again, a lot of listeners probably don't know that. Um, but that kind of, I mean, those were party days in themselves, but yes, hairdressers are wild. (laughs) It's like out every night for like seven years solid. I don't know how I did it, but oh my God, um, we have to share those pictures of you with your funky Tony and guy haircuts. They're definitely going on Instagram at some point. Oh (laughs) mate, I had like a mohawk. mohawk. It was like like shaved at the sides and like a, a long black fringe, black like sides and then like a white mohawk. Yeah. We'll post them on Instagram for the lols we will I had like all sorts of like mullets and all sorts but um yeah and that kind of you know that 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 sort of calmed me down a bit in a way um and that was probably a real saving grace for me because I was really lost before then and at what point did you leave hairdressing cell um so I left when I was um 21 22 so basically when I got to about 19 I decided that I wanted to go to university I wanted to prove to myself that I could get that I did have it in me to get a degree um but obviously with one GCSE I I basically had to go to night school for two years oh my god so I put myself through night school for two years and I got the sort of equivalent to the A-levels that I needed to be able to go to uni. And then I ended up going to a university in the UK called Sussex um, Uni down in Brighton um, for four years um, to study literature and history. So, so Sounds yeah. like my absolute nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was definitely like a challenge going to uni after being a hairdresser and I like you know, I hadn't studied really like, um, full time for, well, since like a long time. Cause obviously I didn't really attend school for the last few years. <laughs> you got to so. go to study. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, it was also, I had the best time and I came out with a two one. So I did all right, but, um, yeah, definitely. I've had a few kind of change, a few career changes and a few sort of, yeah, different, um, different, uh, phases in my life. You have, and I think that's another thing that listeners probably don't know about is what were we doing before Good Morning? So then you went on to have a very successful career in PR as well. 
Yeah, yeah. So I um, so I wanted to be a journalist when I was at uni, and I did loads of internships, and I actually interned at British Vogue, which was massive um, at the time, and I was really lucky to get a placement. But it actually made me decide that I didn't want to get into journalism because um, it wasn't for me. So I ended up working in PR, which is kind of like the other side of the coin to journalism. They're both they're very interlinked as industries. And um, yeah, I've been working in PR for 10 years and worked for lots of global companies and brands. And um, it's been, yeah, really, really, really rewarding um, to do. But Im, what about you? So obviously your teenage years were a bit wild. And then (laughs) talk talk us through like what Im in her 20s looked like. Oh, 20s were still wild. Yeah, still (laughs) still wild. Lots of partying. Loved me a podium on a Saturday night down on Oxford Street. And you had quite an impressive shoe collection, didn't you? Oh my God. I had like 16 inch heels. I'd dance in them all night. Yeah, I was lots and lots of fun. I was pretty much the life of the party always. But with that comes other complications. Like it was just very draining in the end and I couldn't be that. And I'm not that anymore. I'm pretty much a granny as well. Um, but I was always wanting to do something with my life. Like I initially I'd studied drama, so I wanted to do acting. And then I realized it was just way too hard and it wasn't for me. So then I sort of went on the other side of the camera and I really wanted to get into um, TV and film production And it's a really tough industry to get into in Australia. Um, It's a very small industry. And sort of once you're in, you're in, and they don't really take on many new people unless you go in as a runner and work really hard to work your way up. And I'm the kind of person that likes to cut corners and I didn't want to be a runner. So I went in a a bit of a creative way. So I went and got in touch with a, um, oh God, what are those agencies called? Yeah, recruitment. That's the one. I found a recruitment company and basically told them everything that I wanted to do. And they found me a reception job um, working for a company called Southern Star Entertainment. So if you're in Australia, Southern Star do a lot of the great dramas, Australian dramas. Um, And yeah, so I started working there in reception, I think just as a temp role. I think within two weeks, it turned into a permanent role. And then I just went on from there and I just made friends with everyone. I was just sort of getting involved in everything that was happening in the company. And I just loved it. I just found the place where I'm like, yes, these are my people and really thrived. And um, I ended up then moving into production assistant role and started working on shoots, which I loved. And then I sort of landed my first big gig, which was being the executive assistant to the executive producers of Big Brother. And it was the final Big Brother before it got canned for quite a while. And it was so much fun. Like I relocated to the Gold Coast and I was just living with like my mates up there working on the show. It's such an iconic show as well. Oh, it's such a big show. And um, I used to watch it growing up. I loved it. And um, I'd do like house tours around like the camera runs with the house and riding buggies around. And I just, it was just so, so much fun. And then I just, yeah, got loads of opportunities through that and ended up, um, working on the last uh, I ended up moving to London that's right and I got a job at Endemol in London and I was working in development there um, in a central creative team which was so much fun and then I came back and then I got a job on The Voice so I was doing production coordinating on The Voice but then I just felt like the production side of things 
wasn't enough for me. Like I wanted to do something more creative. And so then I was like, okay, I really want to be a producer. So I started heading down that direction and um, I landed a really good job on I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here in Africa and was all ready to go. And then I fell pregnant. (laughs) And then I've never worked in telly since. So my last job was the voice. And then I was about to have my dream job. And then, yeah, I had a baby. And then obviously, as listeners know, nine months into having a baby, my mum died. And that's how I ended up in Good Morning. So yeah, my life took a really big turn. And I thought I was, I had it all mapped out. And I'd worked so hard on this career. And I knew where I wanted to go. And I knew what I wanted to be. And life doesn't really work out like that. So yeah. And here we are. (laughs) Doing, <laughs> here we are Sal talking to each other through zoom doing grief, grief. <laughs> doing griefy things but that's it's such an interesting career as well like you know tv production and I know we've like swapped a lot of stories haven't we about PR and tv production they both are quite full-on in their own sort of ways yes. um but now we're doing this and I do that yeah, just absolutely love being able to bring these conversations and the conversations with our guests to you guys I think we found our calling haven't we with this like we feel very much like it yeah this is what we want to be doing and you know what I feel like all the skills that we've gained doing all of the jobs that we have done has really helped us in being able to get this off the ground and it work and we are doing meaningful work for the first time and it's so fulfilling definitely and that leads me on so we're going to be asking each other some questions about our grief um in a minute but it just leads me on to um I wanted to share with listeners the last ever uh, whatsapp that I received from my mum because I think it's it's so um it just really sums up how much things have changed but also like how I feel and in feels like we are being called to do this work, to be, to, to do this, to do good morning without sounding, you know, (laughs) but for some context. So, so I used to be a hairdresser as we've just talked about. And even though I had a successful PR career, like I always knew there was something missing and I I wanted to do something with a bit more meaning. And I used to talk to my mum quite a lot about that. So she kind of understood that I was, there were elements of me that felt perhaps a little bit unfulfilled. Um, And also I was living in Australia. So I really miss my friends back home. And often I would talk about like, I miss hairdressing because, you know, it was so creative and I don't think I'm necessarily suited to like an office job all the time. Like PR is very, very different to working in hairdressing. Um, And so my mum kind of knew that I was, yeah, looking for something a little bit different. So this was the, the message that she sent to me just proactively. And it was the night Um, so it would have been the night before she passed away so she passed away on the Wednesday morning um, which was our Wednesday evening and I was supposed to have a call with her Um, so the night before she passed away she would have sent this to me so she sent me an article from the Guardian and it was about a hairdresser and a plumber um, who work for free so they give their services to people who are in need So another thing that you guys might not know about me is that my real name is Sarah. When I was hairdressing, my boss was called Sarah. And quite often salons make you change your name because it gets confusing for clients. So that's where Sally was born in when I was like 15. Sally derives from the name Sarah. And so I've been Sally ever since. So to give you a bit of context before I read out the message, 
dearest Sarah, um, I hope that your chest and throat are no worse, though I fear they will be no better during the smoke clouds. And I hope you and the dogs are managing to stay inside as much as possible. So we'd had quite bad like smoke in, in the air. In, um, I remember that. Um, speak to you tomorrow morning. And obviously we never got the chance because she passed away. Um, when I remember how happy you seemed while hairdressing, I just love the thought of you finding ultimate fulfillment again through the energy and satisfaction that constantly meeting and cutting for new clients who can also become new friends can bring. In addition, I can long-term envisage you with your good heartedness, wanting to help people in a similar way to the hairdresser in the attached story below. My fantasy for you, forgive me, I'm being self-indulgent. All my love, mum. <laughs> I'm literally crying. And I just oh. like read that message. It was the last ever thing that I ever heard from her. And oh. in a way, I feel like what we are doing through Good Morning is helping people in that way that I knew was missing from my life. And But it's like her fantasy for you, Sal. It's like you're literally fulfilling your mum's wish for you that she messaged you the night before she died. Like that is just, it's too much. And that's why I also think that she brought you to, to me that, that there was something more in this like meeting. I, I just feel like she brought me not only you, but she brought us together to do this as well as your mum, of course, as well. Um, but there's just so much meaning in that message. And oh, like- it's incredible. It is so incredible. But yeah, our mums 100% brought us together and good morning has been such a blessing for us in our grief and our friendship has just been, I've got literally got no words. It's been amazing. Mm. So amazing. And I'm so thankful for you. And so we've got some questions that um, some of you guys have asked us on our Q and A. So we're going to interview each other. Bit of a quick fire round. Um, So yeah, let's, let's jump into them. So Im, do you think creating Good Morning and the podcast and the community has helped you with your grief? Absolutely. Um, I don't think that I could have coped without it to be honest I think it's in so many ways it's helped me um I couldn't really see myself after what happened to me I couldn't see myself going back to a normal job um and I think telly was just way too fast paced for me I just I just couldn't I couldn't do it anymore and those water cooler chats and all of that stuff like it just was so far removed from my reality so it's given me the opportunity to channel all of my grief into something positive and meaningful and I get to work with you every day so yes and the community has just been amazing like you guys are the best and we love receiving your messages and connecting with you guys all the time what about you Sal? Oh it's helped me so much um I think you know doing what we've done um today it's it's not only educated me about my own grief but it's taught me so much about how to process my grief and also for me being able to help others has really helped me and connecting with so many incredible people in the grief community and sharing stories and experiences um you know I think there's a real healing element in storytelling so I think that has been quite integral to helping me heal as well. Yes, definitely. And what's your what's been your favorite episode of Good Morning and why? That's a hard one. Oh, that is a hard one. I really loved Leslie Kane's interview around surviving death. Um, it's a fascinating topic. So, you know, exploring the afterlife and whether consciousness survives death. And she was just 
an amazing lady as well and such a joy to talk to so if I had to pick one I'd say maybe that was my favorite to date how many times have you listened to it go on be honest I have listened to it probably about five times because it is so fascinating. I feel like every time I listen to it, I learn something new. Amazing. I love that we listen to our own podcast as well. Is that why the downloads are so high? Yeah, yeah, it's just us. I wish. I wish that worked. Um, But yes, me too. It legit doesn't get any better than Leslie. I felt like she just really took away any last bits of like scepticism that were in me and because there still were a little bit, it's like, we had that just such an amazing reading. It's like, is that, is that really true? Like, were we connecting with our mums? Like, it's so mind blowing that I was still had little elements of doubt in there. Um, but Leslie eradicated all of that. And I've, I'm a big believer now, big spiritual believer. So, but we've had so many amazing guests. We've been so lucky and we've loved every single one of our interviews, to be honest. And um, what's the biggest thing that you've taken away from one of our interviews? Oh, Peggy is really going to town, by the way. Oh, She's my God. Snorefest 2021 over here. <laughs> you probably hear it in a lot of our episodes because our yeah. dogs are always snoring. Um, okay. For me, hearing Stefford Doyle say that even after her mum's suicide, she was able to find peace in her life again. Um, so that's really stuck with me. And I remember asking her, if um if I would ever wake up again in the morning and it wouldn't be the first thought that's screaming in my head and she said yes and she wakes up now and it's not the first thought and I just thought holy shit like that just gave me so much hope and I have held on to that hope ever since having that conversation with her so that's been my biggest takeaway and the thing that I keep reminding myself is Stefa Doyle wakes up now and it's not the first thought it's gonna happen to me one day Mm. yeah what about you so many, so, so many, but um, I think Joe Zamet's um, advice that, you know, everything you have to survive is within you and it's that simple. And but I think when you're knee deep in grief, that could be quite a profound thought and can be quite hard to comprehend, but it has been something that's really helped me. That is very profound thought. Um, Joe is amazing. So amazing. If you haven't listened to Joe Zamet's interview yet, we highly recommend it. Um, if you could interview anyone in the world on the podcast, dead or alive, who would it be and why? I would interview my mum because Aww. there is so much that I want to ask her still. Oh, Sal. Imagine getting Rose and Vanessa on an up close and griefy. Oh, that'd be so well, amazing. I just feel like our mums would get along so they, much. They really would. They really, yeah. really would. Yeah. Oh, that would be so good. I think for me, definitely my mum, but also I, it is my dream of mine to interview Dr. Edith Eager. And you guys may have heard me referencing her quite a lot throughout our episodes, um, but she's helped me so much with my trauma and she's full of so much wisdom. She's in her nineties now, so it might never happen, but you never know, never say never. But yeah, Dr. Edith Eager would be up there for me. Let's try and make it happen, mate. Yeah. Um, Im, what's been the best part for you of creating Good Morning? You go first. Well, for me, it's been our friendship, hands down. Absolutely. Like, I don't know what I would do without you in my life now. Yeah. Um, it's just been, you know, so amazing. But also seeing other connections and friendships 
friendships form. So seeing other people connecting, you know, Instagram and Facebook communities and supporting each other. Like I just, I love seeing that. Yeah. hundred percent. You, yeah, you are hands down the best part of good morning for me, but there are so many gifts. Um, but the sense of community, uh, that we've built is just absolutely incredible and we love you guys. So you are also equal parts, the best part of good morning. (laughs) Favorite things about each other. Yeah. I love these. So I, what, um, I love about you is I love your humor. I mean, there are so many things. It's hard to just like say (laughs) we got all day. (laughs) Buckle up guys. Um, myself, my my self deprecating humor. I love your humor. I love, um, how loyal you are, um, how kind and caring you are. And I just love how honest you are as well. Oh, stop. Sometimes too honest, maybe. Nah, nah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) My favorite thing about you is that you are literally the most thoughtful person on the planet. You and my mum equal parts thoughtful. You're literally the same. It's amazing. I've never come across anyone that thinks ahead like you about other people it's just so beautiful so it's such a gift that you have thanks mate yeah what is (laughs) this one's so good what is one thing that listeners don't know about you (laughs) sally sarah douglas (laughs) (laughs) okay so obviously you now know that my real name is sarah not sally um but listeners might not know that i have no bite Um, what I mean is I have something called an open bite. So you can't really tell unless I like try and close my, like close my, clench my teeth, but my teeth only meet at the back and they don't meet in the middle at the front. So yeah, it's called an open bite. So it's like, um, they just don't, they don't meet. So like trying to eat a BLT, it's game over. Oh my God. It's so fascinating. Trying to bite some sushi, like nah, not happening. How do you eat sushi? Oh my God. I remember I went on a first date. We are talking like years ago, probably like 15 years ago. And this guy, like I'm from Coventry. There weren't any Hopefully, sushi. Hopefully Ant's like listening to this going, I fucking hope it was 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I am um, in Cov, like where I'm from, there were no like sushi places. And I went on this date in like Bristol or somewhere. <laughs> and um, the guy took me to a sushi place and it was so, it was awful because I couldn't bite the thing. How do like, you eat it? I had to like pull it apart with the chopsticks. Yeah. Oh wasn't, no. It wasn't no, glad. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. What about you, Im? <laughs> I have a chin implant. Wild. Yeah, right. Yeah. I got it done when I was about 23 years old. Um, I just felt like on my profile, like I haven't got any other plastic surgery. Like that's literally the only plastic surgery I have. I'm going to get my eyelids done one day. <laughs> my eyelids cut. No, kidding. Be happy with your body, everyone listening. Um, but yeah, I just felt like my chin didn't come out far enough. And then I went for a consultation. I didn't even know it was a thing, but then the guy like diagnosed me with an underdeveloped jaw. I was like, okay, cool. So now it's an actual thing that I have. Um, anyway, so I got a chin implant and you probably wouldn't notice much. I think if you knew me back then and I hadn't told you I was getting surgery done, it might just look like I'd lost some weight or something. I don't know. Anyway, so that's a little fun fact. And I can sing Sailor Moon in Japanese. There you go. Yeah. I'll give you a little flavor if you like. Yeah, go on. Okay. So anyway, so this 
this um, exchange student came from Japan. He's the loveliest guy and he taught me how to sing this and it's just stuck with me ever since. I don't even know why. Okay. Sailor Moon. Is that our new jingle? Is that our new intro music or what? Definitely. Definitely. What a talent, my friend. Oh, God. If all else fails. <laughs> so, in what's been the biggest misconception you've learned about grief? Oh, there's been lots, but the biggest one that I think blew my mind when I first heard it was about the five stages of grief. Mm. So you will likely have all heard about the five stages of grief. I think it's the first thing you find when you Google grief after someone you love dies. Um, So there's uh, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. So it turns out that we all thought in the early days that this was some sort of linear timeline and we'd get through all those stages. And then once we've hit acceptance, we were over our grief and it does not work like that at all. And it turns out that those stages were actually modeled. um, So Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, she created those stages based on work with people in palliative care. So the grief that they were experiencing. So not people that were experiencing the, the, loss of a loved one and I know David Kessler has come out who worked closely with her and has said the stages were never meant to be linear that's something that's been misinterpreted over time it was never her intention um but that that I found really fascinating when I when I read that I was like oh my god the five stages weren't actually meant for people grieving the loss of a loved one yeah I think it's it's a a massive misconception a lot of people might not realize that so yeah there's no they're really like you may feel those things all at once, mm. all over the place, but there's no real stages to grief. Like it's messy as fuck. What about you? Um, I think that grief is a single emotion. So I think before you are experiencing grief, like you don't necessarily always understand that grief is so much more than just sadness. You know, grief is, there are so many layers to to grief and you might feel anger one moment and then fear the next and then you might have a moment of joy and then it's sadness and you know there's just it's just I yeah um I that was a misconception that I had before I found myself in grief that's very true grief is not a singular emotion there are many many emotions to grief as we all know and what is one piece of grief advice that you would want the world to know it's really simple, but like everyone's grief is different. So just don't judge yourself and how you're grieving because however you're processing your grief is totally fine. Um, I think sometimes we can be really quick to judge ourselves in our grief. I sometimes have weeks where I feel strong and then I'm judging myself, like, shouldn't I be on the floor? And I think we quite often can do that as, as grievers. So I think just, yeah, just don't judge yourself. It's a good one. What about you, mate? Mine would be you don't have to ever get over your loss. And this goes back to my point earlier about Dr. Edith Eager and how much she's helped me is I was listening to a podcast with her and she basically said, you don't have to overcome what happened to you. You just have to come to terms with it. Mm. And I think, I don't know what it was about that statement, but it just lifted so much weight off my shoulders because when I look at 
my situation. I'm like, I'm never going to get over this. Like, this is so fucked up. I'm never going to be okay again. And then hearing her say those things, it's like, you, you don't have to ever get over it. Like, that's not what you need to do. You need to, over time, learn to come to terms with it, which is a bit different. Mm-hmm. And I think I have slowly started to come to terms with the situation, knowing that never, probably never going to, like get over it and it's going to be in the past and like I'm not going to be you know thinking about it ever again it's just not achievable so that was so helpful in my healing I don't know how yeah if anyone else will find that helpful but from experiencing like a very traumatic situation like that piece of advice helped me so much and I hope it helps somebody else it definitely will I'm sure and in how would you describe grief in one word? Shit. <laughs> Honest answer. Shit. How about you? Love. Because I love if that. You, if, you, if you love, you grieve. And guys, that's literally Sal and I in a nutshell. <laughs> how, would you guys, how would you describe grief? Love in shit. <laughs> that's us, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> guys. Thank you so much for being on this journey with us for the last 12 months. Your support means so much to us. And we can't wait to bring you another 12 months of good morning. Um, we, we love you guys. We love the community. And um, yeah, we hope you enjoyed learning a little bit more about us and, um, and our sort of experience with grief and our life experience as well. Um, definitely probably a few surprises thrown in there absolutely quite a few surprises no doubt probably more surprises from you nah, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> and guys if you haven't already joined our private facebook support community it is called good morning grief community we'll link it in the show notes but it's just a really safe space for you to be able to connect with others who are experiencing loss honor your loved ones and just chat about whatever's going on for you with people who get it so we'll link that in the show notes everyone's welcome it's open to all ages all genders and all types of loss so we hope to see you there and keep your eyes peeled for these affirmation cards guys because they are pretty darn special and thank you all we love you all we read every single message so yeah take care see you soon guys